Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livigno to Levin. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, folks out there listening to our Living You to Levy podcast. The season is almost over. Two more races left, one tomorrow and one week from today. But today was an interesting day, a really a different type of race. Volodals Rennet took place in a really tough conditions, and we will talk about that particular race. I am your host. As always, uh, Teemu Virtanen, and my special guest is Andrew Musgrave, who's not really a stranger to long-distance skiing. We've seen him in our races uh, before, but of course, he's a world-class skier who performed really well at the the World Championships uh, this season. And Andrew, I mean, as I said, it's, it's first of all, it's good to have you on our show. And as I said... You are no stranger to long distance skiing. You've done these races before, but how different was this race today? This 54 kilometer race, Volodas Rennet, compared to the ones that we've done in the past? Yeah, uh, it, it was definitely hard going. Um, I think it was a, a lot to do with the conditions. Like it, it was just so soft and like the snow was super slow someplace. And so it ended up being an absolute. It just an absolute slog of a race. So I was I was pretty surprised that there was as big a group at the end as there was. And you guys started pretty fast, or at least Ian Sporman, uh, you know, attacked pretty pretty heavily uh, on the first climb because you had two loops, the one loop that you did twice, and then another loop that was much uh, uh, easier. Uh, but you had to do that long climb twice, and he attacked pretty much from the get go. Correct. Yeah. So. Jens was racing for us on Team Koteng, um, and we we knew he was going with uh, Kickwax today. So, he his tactic had to be to go fast on the uphill and make it or take advantage of the fact that he had Kickwax on the long uphill. So I think I think his plan from the get go was just go hard from the bottom of the hill to the top both laps and try and get a good gap. Um, before the flat loop at the end, and he managed fairly successfully to get a decent, uh, decent gap. Did he have good skis though? When I was commentating the race, uh, I kind of noticed that maybe his glide wasn't as good as as yours, and of course he had kick wax. Yeah, like I, I noticed that on the first lap, we he didn't get such a big gap to us on the way up, and we. Uh, caught him super fast on the way down um so it was definitely a big advantage not having uh kickwax on the way down the hill especially if it was getting really soft and going around the corners and stuff i think i think the kickwax was probably a little bit slow yeah but at the same time he still managed to get a big gap on the uphill so there were benefits and uh well to get that benefit you've got to kind of accept the fact they're going to be a wee bit slower on the downhill Particularly on the second climb, that's when he was able to uh, pretty much ski away from you guys. It was, I think, it was close to a minute. The gap, forty-six, forty-seven seconds, on the top of the hill. Uh, but that was something that you guys—that was your your strategy, your tactic. Did you ever consider go you using kickwax or? No, I I never I never considered it. Like I thought with the flat loop at the end that. It was definitely going to be an advantage uh, going on the double pole skis. So Jens was up for giving it a go, and he gave it a super good go. But in the end, it turned out that the double pole skis were were a little bit faster. Although Jens managed to stay in the group until the end, which I was pretty impressed impressed by. And he had some problems with his pole as well. I think the basket got off. Yeah, the, I think... I saw when we suddenly we caught him up super quickly and I didn't know what happened. And uh, he said afterwards, yeah, that his basket had just fallen off. And when there's like 20 centimeters of slush, you're trying to double pull through. It's not ideal. Not, not having a basket on. <laughs> Let's talk about the course a little bit uh, uh, more in more detail. Okay. Tough conditions, uh, mushy snow, uh, but 
how tough was it really compared to the ones that you've done in the past? And and for example, Oberstdorf, you know, the 50K, that was an extremely tough course there as well. And the, co- the courses on World Cup are definitely a lot different to the course here today. Like here you get a massive amount of total climb, but it's kind of longer, gentler hills. World Cup, you kind of just feel like you go straight into a big wall that you've got to go up. Whereas here you've got like undulate and you have to like keep a sort of constant work rate going so you kind of just get fatigued from just keeping pushing constantly rather than going into the same sort of like super steep hill where suddenly you just get about lactate goes through the roof whereas here it's just like you get muscularly fatigued from the long long uphills so what was your tactic for this race if uh, Jens's tactic was to attack and use that advantage you know the kick wax what kind of a plan did you have in mind uh, my plan was just to <laughs> try and hang on as long as I could because I haven't done uh, so much specific double pole train in the last few weeks so I wasn't 100% sure how my arms were going to cope with it <laughs> so I, my goal was just to hang on as long as possible and it ended up not being too bad, although my arms were pretty knackered by the last few kilometers, I do have to admit. I was going to ask you about that. How did you feel to be, be doing that, the double pulling so much and, and so intensively? Um, it didn't, it was actually surprisingly good. Like the uphills change the double pulling technique a little bit, so it becomes more of a full body. Um, you use your legs a lot more when it's hilly. So I think that was to my advantage today. Whereas tomorrow, when we're going to be doing a flatter course, it's going to be more upper body, more arms, and uh, and it'll be probably harder for me then. But like I, I was positively surprised today, so hopefully I'll get the same feeling again tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be interesting because uh, this is the first time in history, uh, in Visma Ski Classics history, that we're doing two races back to back. So it's not just uh, for you, but it's for everyone. Like the big yeah, yeah, question: yeah. How well can you re, you know, recuperate, you know, recover from from today's race? Yeah, it's going to be dead interesting to see. Like today was a hard race, and there's like going to be a few guys that didn't race today that saved themselves for tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how they are compared to us. And yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to see. What are you expecting you know, for for tomorrow? Completely a diff- different type of race, I assume. Yeah, it's, it's going to be completely different. I think the condition, it's going to be colder, so hopefully we'll have a little bit more uh, or harder tracks, not a slushy snow. Um, so probably higher speed because of that. And then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because it's a fairly, it's not like the hilliest course ever, but it's, all, it's like undulating the whole way. So it'll be interesting to see if it splits up and when it's 64K, it's quite a long way. So fatigue will come into it and it yeah it's good I, I don't know what to expect at all so yeah i'm, I'm just uh, excited to see it's fatigue and also uh, two races as i said back to back so uh, that's a that's a quite of a quite a challenge for you all of you guys there uh, you talked about the last part of the race so two uh, two laps two loops two times that long climb but then the second part was completely different a flat pretty much a flat uh, course there and and much uh, snow about 20 guys there were 20 guys together when you started that and pretty much uh, stayed intact all the way to the to finish were you nervous there and and or were you kind of counting on because you placed sixth in, in a race uh, but were you kind of confident that you'll be able to fight for for the podium places uh, I was a little bit tired after the uphill, so, <laughs> so I wasn't like super confident. But it ended up being that the the snow out on the flat loop at the end was a lot different than on the hilly loop. It was like this really sticky, slow snow. But once it got churned up a little bit, it ended up being quite fast, a lot faster. So coming from behind was a massive advantage. So I just sort of chilled out at the back of the group and uh, decided that I was just going to have to get get towards the front as towards the end which was easier said than done because the snow if you weren't going in the line behind the other guys getting past it was so so slow so you just had to 
like accept the fact you were going to have a few minutes to get past where you were going to go have to go as fast as you could so I just kind of tried to stay at the back not use too much energy and then when I first tried to get to the front or tried to gain places gain as much as possible but like all the other guys seemed to have that tactic too so it ended up just being it was super chaotic at the end lots of people like there were a few falls and some broken poles and stuff but the the fact that there wasn't more is was uh, quite impressive. And it was pretty narrow too, you know, very tight there. And, and I noticed that uh, chaotic uh, feeling that you guys had there, like maybe two yeah. kilometers, one kilometer before the finish. Yeah, like this, we were all fighting for the place behind the uh, snowmobile that was doing the filming for the TV because it churned up the snow. And so if you went b behind it, then like you had a little bit better glide. So everyone was just trying to get in behind there. And then towards the end, the snowmobile would like pull off and try and film from the side. And then suddenly the snow would be twice as slow <laughs> and then everything would bunch up again. And yeah, it just ended up being super chaotic. And then just maybe about 500 meters before, it looked like that you were pretty well placed there. I mean, uh, you were up, right up there. Uh, uh, can you walk us through a little bit the last 500 meters of the race? Uh, like somehow I managed to just get quite far forward. So I don't, I don't even know how I managed. Like I re I knew that from about one and a half K to go that it was a uh, uphill it, or gradual uphill to the finish and you needed to be at the front there and somehow I managed to get fairly close to the front and then um I wasn't actually feeling too too bad on the last there are a couple of steep sections the last k 500 meters and I wasn't actually feeling too bad there and I knew that like me compared to Nigord and Parson I'm I'm not the fastest sprinter ever so I was never gonna beat them in a head-to-head -head sprint so I just had to try and be at the front and go as well as I could um and yeah I my arms are pretty tired so I, my sprint was even worse than it would have been if I was a little bit fresher but um like yeah I managed to get to the front but as soon as Persson and Nigard started sprinting I, I didn't have a chance of keeping up with them so would you say that you're happy with your sixth place today yeah, I felt like sixth was as good as I could have done today. Like, um, yeah, like, I think, yeah, I'm fairly happy. I hope, I'm hoping to do better on the two next races, but, like, it was a decent enough start. Um, it's much better than when I raced the Marcia Longa last year and I didn't even come top 30, I don't think. So, so that's a definite improvement on that. Yeah, that's a very different race too. I mean, it's a 70k, but it's a really fast-paced race and mostly downhill, except the, you know, the, the first part and then the long, long the Cascada Hill. Um, but you mentioned the two other races tomorrow, of course, and then a week from today, uh, we have a 100k race, which is the longest in history uh, of uh, Isma Ski Classics. So far, Basalop, it's been the, the longest race at 90k, and it's in the same area, which means that the course will be pretty tough there too what 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 are kind of your thoughts about that i mean of course tomorrow you need to do tomorrow's race first but uh a week to recover and uh, to have a, something like that which I, i'm not just sure if that is the longest distance for you uh in terms of racing oh well, i'm actually i think it's gonna i think it should be good for me for like um i've done my hours of double polling through the summer and through the uh through the autumn so like i've got a good base and like i'm gonna get into solid races this weekend and i think just those two extra races will hopefully should be good for my double pole form whereas the long the guys who've been on the long distance circuit the whole winter they they're already in, in prime double pole shape so i think i should be getting better whereas they'll be on the same sort of level so I, so I'm, I'm actually pretty confident about the 100k race since you know the both, you know the kind of the best of the both worlds. Long distance skiing, you've done our races in the past as well. You may just mention Marcia Longa, for example, and uh, then you've done a lot of World Cup races. You've been racing. We will talk about your history a little bit later on, but you've been racing since two thousand eight, uh, and uh, so long, long career behind you, and also World Championships. I think you've done it like nine times so far, and this year uh, once again yeah, was a I'm, really I'm good year. Old. <laughs> I'm getting old. I've done it lots no, of times. No, you're still young. Aren't you like 31? <laughs> yeah. Still nah, younger than Outland. 
Yeah, exactly. You still got plenty, plenty more years to go. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, when you compare the athletes, uh, every once in a while, you guys step uh, into our arena, uh, uh, which is really good. And happened today, uh, Jens Borman, you got, and uh, William Boroma, and you, and also uh, uh, in the women's race, uh, the winner, Ibanteson. Uh, but the kind of the differences in terms of the, the kind of the physical appearance, uh, the qualities, and so forth, from your perspective. Oh, I feel like long distance skiing has changed over the last few years. If you look back and like, five, six years ago, maybe it was the, like, yeah, just the guys that could cope with the distance the best would were the strongest skiers, whereas now you look, there's super fast guys like Emil and uh, Andreas who, can, who, like, their sprints, would they could match most guys on the World Cup in a fin down the finishing straight, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think the biggest difference is just the specific training level um, of... Uh, or just for the pure double pole, how it's all tailored around that for the training rather than the uh, World Cup guys. It's a bit more all around. You've got to have a bit more um, yeah, focus on keeping the VO2 max high and using the full body a little bit more. But I think in general, it's actually pretty similar. Um, and I think with a little bit of specific training, one way or the other, a lot of the long distance guys would do well in a World Cup, and a lot of the World Cup guys would do well in the long distance. So you would say that these two uh, really complement each other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's both skiing, <laughs> and it's all it's all about endurance and being good and being good at skiing. So like, it's two fairly similar things. Speaking of double polling, uh, and it seems to me that that technique has also pretty much, I wouldn't really say taken over uh, in, a, in a World Cup as well, but it has definitely changed the face of the World Cup racing or the, and the, the world, world Championships as well. You guys do quite a lot of double polling there as well. Of course, it depends on, on the courses, and, and, and Oberstdorf yes. had really a tough course there, but still, a lot of double polling there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you see, like, especially the way Bolshinov uh, races now, the places he attacks are not the sort of traditional places where you'd think people would attack. It used to be like you'd wait until the uphills and then the strongest on the uphill would attack and get a gap, whereas now Bolshinov attacks on the gradual downhills, round corners, a lot on the double pole sections. So it's de it's definitely changed to, be, to the double pole and being more important in World Cup. You've raced against him, uh, so how well do you think he could do in a, in a long-distance ski race, like Vasalope, oh, for example? I, I don't know how he would be after uh, 90k, but like you see him at the end of a 50k at the World Champs, and he's still an absolute beast. So I, I think he would manage pretty well here. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be dead cool to see him do some of these races um, because yeah, like it's like I said, I think it. If he doesn't manage to ski away from the group, then like it would be very interesting to see him in a sprint against Pashon and Nigord and Cardine for that matter, <laughs> like because they're they're all pretty fast. So it'd be it'd be very exciting to see. Uh, indeed, and and it would be interesting to see Klebu as well. How how fast he can go after ninety k? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. Uh... Speaking of this this season and your performances, once again you performed really well in, in in today's race. But it's been a good good year for you, good season. Uh, you were seventh uh, twice uh, there at the World Championships and tenth, if I remember correctly. So once again, pretty decent, very good uh, uh, places there. Uh, but you haven't been on a podium yet. Fourth is the best one, you know, in Lahti when you were right behind Matti Heikinen. Yeah. Again, in a 50kk race. So when will we see you on the podium? Oh, oh, hopefully at the Olympics next year. Um, but I'm still doing my best, plugging away, and I'm, I'm kind of at that level. I'm, if I just have a super good day and super good skis, then I, I can definitely definitely make the jump up onto the podium. But I've, I think a little bit of fine-tuning of the training and uh, with the right form, then I think in the Olympics next year I'll be, be fighting for those medals. 
And going back to uh, Oberstdorf uh, this year, how would you evaluate, analyze your performances at the games? Um, I felt like on the skiathlon where I came seventh and the 50k when I came seventh, that I kind of that was as good as I was on the day. Um, I, but on the 15k skate, I was a little bit disappointed because usually skating is my stronger discipline. I just felt like I didn't quite get get out what I was good for on the day. Uh, maybe didn't get my pace in quite right, and yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed with tent there. I thought it was I thought that was my chance to be or my best opportunity fight for a medal, and it ended up being my weakest race. Um, but in general, like top ten in all all the three distance races is isn't too bad. But it, it's not quite what you go to the world champs dreaming of either. Since skating is your sort of a dominant technique, a week ago it was a 50k pursuit race, but that was a bad day for you, I assume. You didn't perform <laughs> at the usual level. <laughs> it was horrific. It was, uh, I think I came 48th or something, and like we went, we headed up to Engadin. Um, and I, I was convinced I was going to have a super good weekend. I'd been in fairly good shape at the work, uh, the World Championships. And then I had a sort of moderate day the first day. And then the second day, I was just absolutely shot and I didn't have a chance. But that's been the case for me quite, quite often. If we do two days of racing back to back at altitude, then I struggle the second day. So I think it was probably a, lo a lot to do with that. And it's just the races up in the Engadin so high. It was like eighteen hundred or over eighteen hundred meters, and we don't we don't do that much racing at that high altitude. So I think that's I just don't tackle two days of that in a row very good compared to some of the other guys. And that was certainly an easy course, but as you mentioned, high altitude. That's not yeah. a bit tricky though. Yeah. So the course the course is easy, but it's a little bit different for us because we're used at World Cup to hills where you go super fast up and then you get these breaks on the downhills whereas it was a little bit different for us to do 50k of just constant constant work and like yeah it, it, it's yeah i just got super fatigued and couldn't couldn't hack the pace anymore and then i dropped off and then just watched the guys disappear into the distance yeah, that was a long distance course, you know, kind of like Vasa Lopez or Machalonga, when you just have to keep pushing and pushing and no rest yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like some, like, it went in races like that when you're like ridiculously tired after you've been going for about ten minutes, then it's so hard mentally when you know you've just got that, you've just got to keep pushing like that for another ninety k. <laughs> so after that race, uh, how uh, did that? affect your 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 mental kind of capacity or your confidence a bit you know going towards uh this weekend no nah, not at all i think like i'm as naive as most uh top athletes are every every top athlete thinks they're going to win every race they do so <laughs> and so, so I, i'm always super confident i came into these races and uh, i thought i was going to do well so <laughs> so yeah uh, might be overconfident but but uh yeah, I, I thought I was would be able to be fighting for the victory today, and I still believe that the next couple of races I'm going to be going to be up there. So I'm I'm hopeful and confident. Speaking of which, I mean that's an interesting point. Do you think that as an athlete you need to be a, as you just said, kind of a bit naive in that sense that you just need to kind of block yourself, you know, or kind of stay away from the bad thoughts, so to speak, you know, and, and to leave no room you know for doubt I, th I think it's definitely beneficial like to have self-belief that's what motivates me to train a lot of time it's like i think i do i there's hard days when i'm out training it's raining or it's sleeting and you're cold and you're ridiculously tired it's like you always think yeah but this is what's going to make me win in the races in the winter and it's um and yeah and i think i think being confident like that can definitely be a big advantage and during races as well if you think you're going to be there fighting for the victory then you position yourself further forward in the group and you do make different choices that are important for helping you win
you want to be part of the interview? <laughs> yeah, you've got to take this. It's the Ski Classics podcast. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Now, can you hear me? Yes. So now we have Emilia Flitten joining us. Uh, she's actually in the same room with Andrew uh, Musgrave, and she performed really well today as well, second in a race. But Emilia, it was a tough race for you guys as well. I mean, Epa kept pushing so hard, and, and you were right behind her. But just tell us about the race a little bit. Uh, yes, uh, Ebba uh, impressed me so much today. She was strong. I felt strong from the start, but uh, I have been really tired after Vasaloppe and I haven't double pole any session after that. So, But I felt good in the start and maybe a little bit tired to the end, but um, I'm satisfied with the race and uh, Eva was just a little bit stronger than me in the finish, uh, but a uh, strong race, really tough one. Um, it was a cool race to to do, and um, yeah, it was fun, but uh, really tough, and the conditions were so tough in the end, so that was um, I was a li- little bit surprised about the conditions the last uh, 20k, because I was um, expecting expecting more uh, wet conditions maybe but uh, it was uh, this new wet snow uh, in the tracks where nobody have uh, had skied so yeah it was hard yeah, but, it, was just uh, like, it was like glue in the tracks almost yeah. it was so sticky it must have been really tough for you guys i mean i saw that you know when i was commentating i mean it surprised me too because i was expecting that last 20k to be really fast and suddenly yeah. both, both of you, I mean, in the men's race and the women's race, it took so long for you guys to do that one lap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me and Eva just I was looked expecting. at it. Yeah, yeah, me and Eva just looked at each other and well, it was like, do you have bad skis? Yeah, I have bad skis. I think the conditions is really tough. So, yeah, we just try to help each other and um, try to um remain the gap we had to lean on and uh, Celia so yeah it was a hard finish but uh, a fun one it must have been really tough for Celia as well because she had kick wax she was diagonal striding she did really well on the on the uphills uh but then of course when the last part when she hit that part you know that was really tough for her and I think yeah. she was getting a bit tired as well there yeah so, but a really good effort and uh, she looked strong. So, um, yeah. Were you surprised to see her performing that well and being yeah, able to she, follow you guys? Yeah, she uh, just won the Norwegian Cup, a 10K classic with 40 seconds to the second. So um, she has been really strong this year. So I was not surprised that she went fast up the, up to the top. And then what about uh, Lena, Lena Kuskren? Uh, she wasn't able to keep up with you guys on the second climb. Did that come as a bit of a surprise to you? Because she's been really strong throughout the season. Of course, she did well. She was third. But still, you probably expected her to be right behind you guys. Yeah, but I think, oh, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe Lena looked a little bit tired today. And I'm not sure how her skis was, but... Um... Um, I was kind of surprised, but not, you know, it's difficult to be number one for a whole season. And yeah, uh, she has been so, so strong uh, in every single race this year. So yeah, so, uh, but maybe tomorrow she will be back. Yeah, just how do we, how do we break today and she's going to be back tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah, it'll be you know really interesting to see that. But how are you? I mean, we talked to talked about the tomorrow's race with uh, with Andrew. Uh, but you said uh, in the TV interviews that uh, you don't even, don't want to even think about tomorrow's race. But <laughs> right now, after a bit of a recovery, how does it feel right now? And how well how prepared are you for for another race? Come you know come tomorrow. Uh, now I feel just horrible i i feel so tired and i was thinking about it for the last 10k that oh i don't know how i will survive tomorrow but uh, at the same time it's very cool to see how the body will react to to tough races uh, in a row so 
uh, I'm tired but excited to uh, see what the uh, yeah to experience the how the how to ski too okay. long distance races. You've, do, you've done plenty of long long training sessions in the summer back to back, so I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I, I think maybe the my, it won't feel great tomorrow when I warm up, but uh, we'll hopefully we'll feel yeah, feel better when we yeah, get once, started. Once you get going, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, and it's pretty much the same uh, to 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 all of you except. Because the few skiers who didn't race today, Some but of most of you did. that didn't race today, <laughs> <laughs> like Britta, for example, isn't she racing tomorrow? Britta, who has a no grain? Yeah, Britta wasn't racing today, but tomorrow, uh, and Thea Krukanmuru as well, and Annikin, yeah, Dalnes, and I think maybe Emma Ribum. So there will be some strong, uh, fresh girl girls at the start tomorrow so see i don't know about the boys though there are a few of the guys weren't racing today like outland wasn't racing and seashta from our team um outland so... is going for a sprint mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know um yeah no so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see but like i think like even if maybe they'll be a little bit fresher at the start but like if they try and go in a break from the start when everyone else is feeling a wee bit tired and needing another few kilometers to get going i think it's mm -hmm. going to be a long way to go in a break so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out at the end so in terms of recovery what can you do there's not that much really you only have a few hours left of course you need to eat and drink a lot but there's not really a trick to recover quickly except i guess just eat and make sure that you know you rest i'm gonna get Amelia to massage my legs after i've spoken to you <laughs> 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 no, it's just to ah oh, yeah, eat a lot. Yeah, that's not those. What are you guys and eating? That's not yeah, uh, uh, carbs. And, and Igor, uh, Igor said that a lot, lot of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's a. Thing. I ate some chicken. I ate some rice, and a chocolate bar. That's what I've eaten. Yeah, I've been eating pasta and chocolate. Ah, <laughs> the good stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> just good stuff but it's actually a little bit hard to eat when you're after a race because you feel a little bit sick after all the gels and uh sports drink but um and your stomach's pretty fighting. upset too i assume <laughs> huh and your stomach's pretty upset you yes. know after a long race like that <laughs> so it's not that easy yeah. to eat as you said no yeah. um no, so chocolate helps though <laughs> Yeah, chocolate. Chocolate is a good. That's a good stuff. You know, you can always eat chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but Emilia, it's been re really a good season for you. I mean, was this something that you expected when the season started? Uh, you had some, you know, um, minor problems here and there, like Topla Cortina. You probably expected to be a, maybe even even mm -hmm. a bit better there. But overall, it's been a really a good season for you. Yes, thank you. Um, I've, I, um. It's maybe cocky to say I'm not surprised, but uh, I felt uh, good the whole training season and um, I've been training with Astrid and um, if I can uh, follow her, I know that my level is quite good. So, um, and last year I learned a lot and uh, this year I trained much more uh, specific Perfect. to uh, long distance races. So. Um, I think that's the why, and I maybe I got I have uh, had a little uh, a lot of help uh, from uh, Simon Ostensen this year uh, with training, so um, that's uh, that has been really good for me. I think. I've been at like I noticed the difference between Amelia last year and this year. Like we've done some training sessions together, me and Amelia, in the summer this season, and like. She goes so fast, <laughs> so I knew she was going to be good this season. Uh, speaking of Simon Östersen, you know, he's, uh, of course, I was supposed to be a co-commentator this season as well. And, and Simon, uh, being a former uh, pro team athlete himself, certainly knows quite a lot about uh, uh, skiing. But um, going back to the uh, kind of your training and you Andrew just mentioned that Emilia when you guys train over the summer she looked really, really strong but what things did you do differently 
compared to the uh, uh, the previous year. So that's a secret. <laughs> no, uh, but I have uh, before last year. I haven't. I think I I did one five hours session double polling um, before Vasaloppe, and this year I've done a lot more long sessions. Uh, so I think that's a clue for me. Uh, just been double polling more and longer. So uh, yeah. Yeah, do you not... do? You... Yeah, just be... let's go ahead. I, I was gonna say for that, just for getting good at tolerating long distances, just getting the hours in is the important thing. I think Amelia's just the total number of long, long sessions has been a lot more than last year. That's what I've noticed, definitely. Yeah. And speaking of those long sessions, do you do quite a lot of the, what the Swedish people call the Vasala Pass, you know, the, the long five hour, 90, 100K, long race where you do intervals and sprints and, and uh, intensive sections within that long period of, 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 of training. Yeah, in some sessions, but not a lot of sessions because uh, that is really hard for the body, I think, but uh, most easy training. So, Andrew, I assume that that's not something that you do that much, you know, the kind of those five-hour... Um... Oh, I, de I definitely do a lot of the long, easy double pole sessions um, as part of my training. And then I will have a bit of the very, very occasional long session with some intervals or intensity at the end, but definitely nothing like as much as the, the pure long distance skiers do. Um, yeah, a little bit of a different focus. And then what about your intensive sessions, you know, this, uh, the intervals and stuff? Can you give us an example of your kind of a special particular uh, interval training? Emilia or you, me? You, actually, both of you. Right, you go first, Emilia. Uh, I have to think. Uh, I don't think I do any, like, uh, normal things. I kind of try to uh, both double pole interval sessions and run interval sessions and uh, so it's nothing like unusual I think for any skier. Yeah, just a bit of a mix. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same as me like I do a bit of a mix like I maybe I don't have as much focus on like the super top high-end speed stuff that maybe some of the sprinters in the world cup do i try and do a lot of sessions with like traditional or what we would call threshold sessions where it's you're working around about your lactate threshold with an hour plus minus of duration um and then yeah sometimes i'll push that a little bit harder than or i'll do an hour's workload but maybe it's slightly higher level and threshold um, that's sort of my, those definitely sort of key sessions for me, I think. And you both represent Team Kuteng. So for you, Andrew, uh, uh, it's not a new team, but Emilia, this is a new team for you. You represented Team Ragdai and Dom last season. Uh, and you mentioned uh, working or training with Astrid. Uh, a word about your new team? Uh, team Kuteng, I think it's... Uh... That is a super great team, and uh, we're not many. <laughs> we are five uh, persons in the team, so we we are a small team. But uh, that's a few extras this weekend. Yeah, a few extras this weekend, so that's really good. Uh, but I think for me, it's been really good to have Astrid by my side, uh, <laughs> even when she's not racing uh, now. But because I I can call her and ask for advices and she's uh, so uh, so she has done this uh, long dis distance skiing for a long time and she has uh, very much to come with and um, yeah she's a super uh, inspiration and um, what do you say uh, she's got a lot of experience and she's good at sharing her knowledge with you yeah yeah like, so it's just... uh, I think that that is, has been really good for me and uh, yeah, she's uh, 
She's a great skier and a great friend, so... Hopefully she'll be back racing fast again soon. Yeah, I think so. She will be back. I was going to ask you about that. What's going on with her? We talked to her uh, a while back. It was before Vasala, but when we did a podcast with her, and she was a little bit uncertain about uh, kind of her comeback or uh, return to, to racing. But uh, how does it look right now? And now she's taking a, a break, so I think um, I think that is good for her, and uh, she's just gonna take a break now and uh, start up in May, June uh, with training again. I think um, I think she will be back stronger than ever. I uh, I really believe so. Yeah, definitely. I also think that. Like, Andrew was kind of in the same situation yeah, last year. Yeah, I was in year. exactly the same boat last year. I had a ridiculously bad season. Like, I was, I was useless at every single race I did, and, like, just nothing felt like it worked, uh, any of the things I tried. And I just had to, like, cut the end of the season from February. And then, yeah, had a had a month of doing a bit of ski touring, not focusing on any proper cross-country specific training and that after a month or so of that got back into normal training and started feeling feeling that myself again so I think think hopefully the same will happen for Astra and she'll be back stronger than ever next year. So what yeah. went wrong with you last season? We noticed that you with went at, at your usual you know good level far behind. Uh, with me uh, I did too much training didn't eat enough food my goal for or last year like I thought I was gonna I increased the volume I did of training through the summer and I thought and like my weakness has always in World Cup has always been like the long long uphills so I thought maybe I needed to lose a little bit of weight to um be able to keep up with the lightest guys like Schroeder and Vienz Budeman and those sort of guys up the long hills and I, and I think the combination of uh cutting calories and the increase in volume of training wasn't the greatest and i just pushed my body slightly over the edge and <laughs> passed the point in overturn and i was just completely wrecked you mentioned earlier that uh you're a bit of naive when it comes to their kind of the confidence and but at that point you must have felt a bit uncertain about your future i wasn't uncertain about my future i knew i'd be I knew I'd be back, but like, and I did lose confidence for like, it was a new feeling for me, like going to the start of a race and just like not having any confidence at all that I was going to do well. And just like standing on the start line and thinking, oh, this is going to be another crap race and I'm not going to do well. Um, so yeah, once I got to that point and my confidence was completely gone, then I just had to accept the fact that the season was kind of over and uh, yeah. And, take take a wee break and not do the last few races uh speaking of your team uh once again uh, you mentioned you have a small team and also i know for a fact that you've been struggling a bit since your service team is also from norway and due to the you know the fact that the pandemic is raging uh so it's very difficult to travel uh so uh, it's been kind of tough for you guys in terms of service and you know getting you know your skis waxed and stuff like that particularly for you Emilia I think uh it's uh it's not been an easy easy case this this winter no it hasn't and I don't think that it has been easy for any Norwegian team and uh, maybe except Ragde who has uh Swedish uh, Swedish waxers and um yeah, but it's been tough, but I uh, I think we have done the best out of the situation, and I um, hope that um, there's no more more COVID next year, and then we'll we'll be we'll be uh, stronger uh, and more people in the service team. Uh, that has been uh, a little bit of a struggle this year. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's just been so difficult because none of the none of the wax team are full-time employed so they've got day jobs back in back in Norway and there's been 10 day 10 days quarantine whenever you've been away so like they've not been able to have the full team away at every race and it, you just notice when the numbers are lower that it's it's a little bit harder to do as much testing and have have the full or you notice that you've not got the full team there the whole time 
but everything worked pretty well today, I assume. Yes, today we had really good skis, so um, yes. We, we had some Swedes helping us out today, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, knew, they knew the local snow. And it also must be really cool, cool for you guys to stay in one place for three races. That's something that really hasn't happened before. No, that's really nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get I get absolutely wrecked from traveling, so I'm super happy that we're doing all all the races here. Um, I I think for for me especially for recovery, it just makes everything so so much simpler, so much easier. Yeah, I agree. And Andrew, when did you decide to do all these three uh, races? Was it something that you had in mind from when the season started, or right after Oberstorf you just figured um, that? Oh, I had always wanted to squeeze in some uh racing or long distance racing after the world cup season if i could fit it in and because the world cup season ended up being cut a little bit short then it fit perfectly for me to come and hop in the long distance circuit and do these races um so yeah, I, i'm i'm super pleased with the way things have worked out and the fact that i'm getting to do a few cool long distance races and we've got some good world cup races done through the season i just feel like we yeah we've been really lucky um, to get anything done uh, the way things have been this year. Indeed, it's been uh, quite amazing. And when we started the season, uh, little did we know that it's actually going to turn out this this good, you know, this well. Uh, we had lots of doubts, you know, in, in December. Yeah. Uh, uh, but let's talk about you, both of you, um, not just as a skiers, but as, as, as uh, you know, um, uh, just as a people, you know, who you are really. So that, that'll be next. Andrew, let's start with you. I mean, uh, you have a kind of interesting history, uh, born uh, in the in the UK, uh, Dorset, correct? Uh, and your father, Frank, he he worked in the oil industry, and you moved around a lot, correct? You lived in Alaska, yeah, and yeah, then that's... Norway. Yeah, that's right. So I, I was born in uh, the south of England and I moved, I lived there for like 12 months, I think. And then I lived on the Shetland Islands in the middle of the sea between Norway and Scotland for four years after that. And then spent six years in Alaska from when I was five until I was 11. And it's kind of there I learned to ski. But the, the funny thing is we moved back to Scotland when I was 11 and it was actually through the local ski club in in Scotland that I got like into proper training and racing and very random that we moved to a place where there is a ski club because there's not very many of them in Britain. Um, so yeah, it, it was actually through them that I got into skiing. And then I decided once I was finished with school in the UK that I wanted to give, give skiing a wee go. And I headed off, headed off to Norway for a year just to give some racing a go and ended up staying. <laughs> yeah. You're still... meeting me and, yeah, I ended up meeting Amelia, and now she's stuck with me. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll talk about that uh, momentarily. But uh, going back to, you mentioned the ski club in Scotland. I mean, uh, that's kind of an interesting uh, uh, piece of a tri a trivia. How do you, I mean, what kind of a club I mean, in Scotland? I mean, how many ski clubs do you have in the UK? There, there's a surprising number of ski clubs in the UK. Or when I say surprising number, there's probably like more than 10, but like how active they all are varies a lot but like the local club for me in Huntley um we've we've got a we go out we do a ton of roller skiing and we've got a snowmobile we can piece tracks with in the local forest if there is enough snow and like some years we'll have like this winter there's been a ton of snow and they've had a, a lot of ski days whereas other years there'll be very little um but there's there's a club with yeah I don't know how many active members there are, but like there's a good number of juniors that take it fairly seriously and do at least weekly training and stuff. So it's actually, it's definitely more of a roller ski club than a ski club, but it's it gets good training done. And both me and Andrew Young come from there and we've been on the podium in World Cup and we've had uh, four or five, Olympic athletes from the same club, so so it's not a bad wee club. So are you now a well known in your country? 
uh, <laughs> you guys, you two. <laughs> I, I would definitely not say I'm well known in my country. <laughs> I think I need to win an Olympic medal, and then I might get slightly more known. But like, usually when I'm back home and I tell somebody I, I do ski racing and I tell them I do cross country skiing, they they look at me very surprised. The, the fact that the fact I would want to ski up hills, they've never heard of people that ski up hills before. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that, you actually tried your wings in downhill skiing too and uh, snowboarding, if I'm right, when you were young, correct? Oh, I did some snowboarding and I was in a wee like kids downhill ski team uh, <laughs> when I was about seven, but it was definitely not a great success. <laughs> what there was a there was a wee um, race called Hörda Ned Op in Norway where there was a combat or there was a pursuit start ski race where you did a giant slalom race um <laughs> down the hill and then your time back or behind the winner from that um was gave you a, a time for a uphill race back up the same slope on uh, cross-country skis afterwards and amelia beat me on the giant slalom race and she was using this like uh uh, these ridiculous uh, backcountry skis <laughs> and I had some like all right downhill skis and Amelia absolutely annihilated me down the hill so I'm definitely not an uh, alpine skier these days but you know that's in the, in their culture you know there she's a Norwegian they they know how to go yeah, fast she, she downhill. Was born with skis on her feet <laughs> <laughs> exactly but how did you I mean how did you come across so uh, you know the long distance skiing why that sport I mean as you said it's not something that usually comes to to anyone's mind when when someone's from uh, from your country uh, oh yeah it was like I said I got I got into the skiing through the local club and then I headed to Norway to try and give proper racing a go when I was finished with uh, high school back in Britain. And then, um, uh, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying it and I got into the all around traditional side of things. And then it was kind of through that that I heard about like the Vassaloppet and things like that. And I gave the Vassaloppet a go for the first time. And the only time I've done it was in 2012. Didn't go particularly well, but like, yeah, it's just I absolutely love the sort of traditional races like the Berkabine and the Vassalop, that sort of stuff. Speaking of that year, I, I actually passed you. I remember when I went past you in that race. <laughs> I, was, I was probably not going very fast at all. I could barely move by the end of the race. 90k was about uh, 75k too far from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were pretty tired at that, that stage, but you started. You started out pretty, uh, pretty well. I think you were like in a breakaway, at least, or not in a breakaway, but at least in, uh, uh, in the in the front. Correct. Oh, I, I was trying to get this for the. I think there's a sprint prize after twenty k or thirty k somewhere, and I decided I was going to win that. And I was in a little break, and then I didn't win that, and then I was really tired, and then I had sixty k to go to the finish, and I regretted it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen when you start start out too fast. But uh, Emilia, what's your story? I mean, Andrew's story is uh, quite unusual, but uh, you, I guess, have a bit more traditional uh, background coming from uh, Norway, which is, of course, uh, the country, the country of, uh, you know, when we talk about long distance skiing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, both my ma mom and dad uh, have always taken me out for skiing from I was uh, little, uh, but uh, I grew up in Tromsø for my six first years, and then we moved to Hemsdal. And Hemsdal, there is, they have, it's a place with really good uh, skiing conditions all winter. So it was just natural for me to start skiing, uh, and I don't think I really liked it when I was uh, younger, but. <laughs> kind of stick to it and uh, becoming better and better and then I moved to Lillehammer uh, when I was um, 19 years old and um, I think from there I'm just always trying to try to be better and uh, pretty much got a bit better every year since then yeah uh, and then started uh, long distance skiing last year uh, was it was not my plan but um, I got a call from uh, Jörgen Aukland uh, uh, and then from there I just um, yeah I went all in from the to the uh, for the 
long distance skiing and I um, have no regrets. And you, you were pretty sure after uh, the first year that you will stick with this. Yes, I was, uh, I was in love with long distance skiing. I think it's so much fun and I love the races and uh, yeah. And the people who are racing ski classics, I think it's just a really good atmosphere. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's great. Speaking of the atmosphere, I know that a lot of people uh, uh, keep praising about it. I mean, it's kind of like a family. We talk about the, the big family. Uh, but for you, uh, Andrew, how is it actually coming from uh, from an outside world, coming from the World Cup world? Uh, I assume it's very different over there on the other side yes yeah the dark side <laughs> dark side yes uh, no it is it's dead good coming here because like i feel like in a world cup skiing like all the teams are so separate and they don't mix all that much whereas like you get to the, or like the finish today everyone was like talking to each other all the different teams were like asking guys from the other teams how they'd done if they'd had a good day and i feel like yeah it's it's a bit more of a family feel here and like super friendly and then of course the, the obvious question how did you guys meet you kind of referred to that a little bit but what's the story there i was i was i was working out in the gym and amelia saw me and she couldn't resist me <laughs> you <laughs> look like is, a superhero there ah, yeah, I, it was, I was just <laughs> those bicep curls i was doing she just couldn't resist my biceps <laughs> Uh, it was actually in the gym we met for the first time. Both lived in Lillehammer at the same time. And uh, yeah, just... And when was that? 10 years ago. Oh, Jesus, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting so old. <laughs> or is it the old? Um, yeah, I think so. 10 years 2012. ago. 2012. 11. I think we met. Yeah, 2011, yeah. 2012, something like that. That was the same so year when you did the Barcelona, correct? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> didn't go very fast. I was spent too much time thinking about Amelia while I was skiing. <laughs> so, how is the the family life uh, for you two? I mean, you've both been uh, professional skiers. Uh, there has to be, you know, pros and cons, you know, for uh, for something like that. Pros are definitely that, like we both understand that like we're going to be tired at different times and maybe not always up for being super friendly and social if we've just been out for like a six hour uh ski and we and we understand when we understand the whole like life we live yeah spending much time um on travels so on training camps and that that's one of the hard things though when we're both on different like she's doing the long distance circuit and I'm away in World Cup, then it quite often ends up that she's home while I'm away and then I'm home while she's away and then we don't get to see each other for like super long periods of time. That's yeah. maybe the hardest thing about it. Yeah, I agree. So it's nice being being do or being here and doing the same races together now. And then what about uh, the future? I mean, of course, you still, even if you keep saying that you're old, but you're, Andrew, trust me, you're not old. You still have <laughs> uh, pl plenty of years to go. Uh, just look at uh, uh, Anders Auckland. But um, uh, outside of uh, the, the skiing, this, uh, the, the, the world of skiing, what kind of plans do you both have in terms of a possible occupation in the future? Don't know. I'm just going to keep skiing as long as I can and avoid getting a proper job. That, that, is, that is my plan in life. <laughs> Delay a proper job as long as possible. Which means at least uh, 20 more years. <laughs> yeah, or uh, I'll see how long Auckland keeps going and then, then I'll beat his record. Uh, he's never going uh, to quit. <laughs> uh, what about you, Amelia? Yeah, I, I'm more. I, I take one year at a time. Um, I'm super motivated to uh, keep doing long distance skiing, and um, but we'll see. <clears throat> Amelia's also studying psychology, which might be why she started going out with me because I'm like a very interesting case study for a, <laughs> for a psychologist. <laughs> and what do you guys do when you're not uh, 
racing or training? What kind of hobbies do you guys have? Do you watch movies together hand in hand or you just <laughs> fight over over the dominion of, of Netflix or <laughs> No, we're both dead antisocial and we watch our own Netflix series on our own computers with headphones on. <laughs> so, um, but but now nah, we what do we do? Study a little bit? Yeah, both of us study a little bit and yeah, we or I don't know. Do we do? do normal stuff like normal yeah. people do. Living boring ski skier life. Nice. Yeah, we don't there's nothing particularly exciting that we do. Um Yeah. Speaking speaking of Netflix, uh what's your favorite show at the moment? Doesn't have to be a Netflix show, but no, yeah, uh, I love the exit the, that is shown on NRK. Um, if you heard about it, yes, I think I have. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. And what about, about you, Andrew? Uh, well, I've spent the last three months watching much too much of old episodes of The Office. <laughs> 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 so I'm into stuff like that. Uh, which one, the the American version or the? I like I like both of them, but only the American one is on Netflix, unfortunately. But I think I think they're both dead good. Indeed, they are. Uh, what about music? Is that something you guys like? And if so, do you ever go to concerts? Of course, this year, unfortunately, the last year was pretty much dead in <laughs> in terms yeah. of uh, live events. But um, music. Me and Amelia don't like the same music. <laughs> what do you guys like? Oh, some of the same. Oh, I like a bit of an eclectic mix, to be honest. Um, I like everything from... You like more classic, boring, opera. I don't like opera. I n never <laughs> listen to opera. <laughs> you, remember, you mean Sometimes. like actual I, classic music, or are you talking about classic rock? Oh, no, I, I, like if I'm sitting and I'm doing a little bit of university work, then I'll pop on a little bit of Beethoven in the background, and Amelia does not like that. Um, I do not like But that. I can also listen to Rage Against the Machine, so I, I like a bit of a mix of things. Amelia likes... More... Maybe. Amelia likes mainstream pop, um, pop stuff. Yeah. Yeah. More music that you can dance to. Yeah, Amelia likes dancing. <laughs> I, and she attempts to make me dance. And I'm not good at dancing, so I refuse. <laughs> Before we wrap up, going back to uh, the ski racing and tomorrow's race, uh, it'll be a tough one, 64K, a brand new one. It's uh, Today's race was a replacement for uh, Birkebeiner, and uh, tomorrow's race will be uh, uh, one for uh, Ulles Levi, which is not taking place uh, this uh, season so once again tomorrow now after this discussion you know and uh, you're getting a little bit more time to recover as the time flies so final words about tomorrow's race Amelia's gonna win that's my <laughs> final words uh, good uh, no uh, no I what? don't know uh, or maybe I hope I think um I think just you need to reset a little bit, uh, reset the mindset, <laughs> uh, because you have to be on your top both uh, physically and mentally. So um, that's really important um, for me. So yeah. Yeah, and if any if anybody who didn't race today wins tomorrow, it doesn't count. It's cheating. <laughs> And well, then... <laughs> tour life's Seerstad sitting the other side of the door, so I hope he hears that because he didn't race today because he was being a massive worse. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. But then, Emilia, your prediction, prediction, predictions uh, uh, in a men's race? Uh, I don't know. There's so many good men. Uh, there is so many strong uh, athletes. So, but um, maybe I have to say Andrew though. Then, uh, well, we'll see about that. Like flat course could well be a I think... bunch sprint again tomorrow, and I would not put any money on me in a bunch sprint. <laughs> I think that's definitely a losing bet. 
hopefully Stian didn't have like Holgor didn't have the greatest of days today, but like Stian, the longer the race, the better he is. And he's after sixty five K he's fast in a sprint as well. Yeah, um, so, he's so say... I think Stian's gonna have a good one tomorrow. Yeah, Stian um And Tour Life. Tour Life. Um he Tour Life um thought tomorrow was a better sort of race for him, so I and he's looked super good training in Toronto time in the last few weeks, so I reckon Tour Life's actually going to have a good day tomorrow as well. So it sounds to me that your team is going to do well tomorrow. Yeah, we're, our team's <laughs> just going to dominate everything tomorrow. Uh, we expect, Are we going to see any tactical moves like uh, two years ago at Vasilopet from your team? When uh, uh, Toure when oh, won? We're, <laughs> We've only just we've only just finished today's race, so we haven't discussed yet uh, tomorrow's yet. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and have our tactics discussion this evening. So we'll we'll find out then. You'll you'll find out tomorrow when you see the race. Indeed, we will. But thank you very much, uh, both you, Andrew and and Emilia. Uh, perfect days, a good day, you know, for, for, from both of you today. And uh, uh, best of luck, you know, for tomorrow. Let's see how well you guys can do, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, the uh, not just uh, you know for you guys, but you know, for all of you. Uh, this, as mm. I have said so many times, this is the first time in history we're doing two races back to back, and the long ones and tough ones. So uh, good luck there! Thank you very much for joining us. It's good Thank to have you. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> Uh, and you guys out there uh, listening to our podcast, uh, thank you for joining us. And remember to stay tuned for tomorrow's uh, race. 7.55 is the start time uh, for men and 8 o'clock local time for women. So see you then. I'll be commentating once again tomorrow's uh, race and see you then. Have a good night. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.